to Simpler. We are three pastors, husbands, and fathers on a journey to make life simpler by holding Jesus as the core for every belief and practice. This journey has shaped us to be more like Christ, freed us from the shame of failure, and encouraged us to a deeper love of our Lord and God. We invite you to join us in the discussions that have shaped and continue to shape our lives. First of all, Lake Nasworthy is disgusting. And it's so dark and so muddy that you can't see anything. But I would dive with uh, goggles on because I didn't want to have to, I wore contacts. I didn't want to have to come up and wipe my eyes every time. Yeah. And so I would dive with goggles on and I would go down to the bottom. Two two things. Uh, I had a mesh laundry basket. Which was stupid. It was stupid. Tied to my wrist because I didn't want to have to swim back to shore every time I found a couple of discs. And so I would find if you had strong arms like Stacy, you could have just thrown it from where you were <laughs> at onto the land. <laughs> now you're building them up. <laughs> Last week you tore them down. But uh, but I would I would, had like 20 discs in there at a time. Yeah. And and so I'd be swimming along and feeling around in the mud. And so first of all, that was so stupid because even though it was only about eight and a half, nine feet deep out in the middle there, it was deep enough that if I went up, like pushed up to get a, a, a breath of air, mm-hmm. a drink of air, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from from now on, <laughs> they can't breathe. They can't get a drink of they air. They need a drink of air. Uh, if the net had caught on a log down there, because my force would have made that knot tighter on my wrist, and then I'm dead. Just yeah. you know, a foot below the surface of the water, which is so sad. Super yeah. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing was, big turtles and big catfish would be nesting in the mud, mm. and so you can't see anything and you're feeling along in the mud, just about three or four inches deep. And more than once, I unearthed a big fish. And one of them hit me in the chest and my face as it swam up past me. And I came up like <laughs> screaming. Like, ah! It was so funny. It was so funny. I was You so got out of the water. Funny. Yeah, it took You were done. It took me a long time to like kind of get my bearings again. And I was like, oh. Like, and and there was not a single time, not one time that I was diving, because there's trash down there too. There was not one time that I was diving that I touched a plastic bag that I didn't move around it. Because I thought, at some point, there's going to be a body in a plastic bag and I <laughs> refuse yeah. to be the guy to find it. No. So if I touched a plastic bag, I just changed course. I was like, nope, somebody else can discover that. What Ryan didn't know is someone had been putting discs in plastic bags and throwing yeah. it in the water. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, those were the days. That's the days, man. Well, hey, hey. let's go on over to the PCC. Let's step on over to Pierce's Culture Corner. I don't know the last time I said the whole name of the PCC. I just said the corner. Pierce's Culture Corner is where we are right now, sitting down, hanging out. It's good to see you. Um, this week, so I saw a, I get caught up now um, in YouTube shorts. And so basically because of TikTok, now every social media um, platform has a vertical-based um, video part of it where you can scroll through and mm. looks a lot like TikTok, feels a lot like TikTok. Now YouTube's one is called YouTube Shorts. And I'll get caught up in there. And they, my, my YouTube algorithm is dope. Like, I like that YouTube knows me a little bit. And mm-hmm. I, well, it is kind of creepy privacy wise, but selfishly, I'm like, well, you know what I want to watch. And it's just all <laughs> right here. Um, and then everything. And thankfully, though, because me and Riley share a channel or share a login, like she just uses mine. And if you go to my Some TV, bluey. my TV <laughs> is like everything kids. But if you go to my iPad, like it actually, it's, it's interesting. But anyway, um, I saw a clip from Jordan Peterson and uh, it was about justice. And I'll just say the whole clip and then I'll kind of say the background. Um, So he, I I don't know what, I think he was in a classroom setting 
And he, and again, this is just a 60 second clip. I don't know the context of the entire lesson. And so if you guys happen to know the whole thing and my context is off, just tell me. Um, but he, he starts off by saying, okay, you kill my son. And if you kill my son, now I need the topic's justice. Just kind of put that in your mind. Um, now, because you kill my son, I need to enact some form of justice or, for, or some revenge. So I go and I kill four people of your family. And now because I kill four people of your family, you're like, well, come on, man. Like the four people in my family, I'm going to come back and kill eight people of your family. And then I go and I kill 16 people and it keeps going 16, 32. And now we're just continually building this up because of revenge and because of justice. He said, this is one of the many reasons why justice systems exist. He listed off like the, the two basic reasons. Um, he says, justice systems are set up to punish the guilty. He said, that's pretty obvious. It's pretty straightforward. He said, also justice systems are set up to see repentance from the guilty, to see the guilty change. He mm -hmm. said, but one that we don't often talk about is to alleviate the need to enact justice or to enact revenge from uh, the person who is offended from the person who had that, that, um, that crime done to them. It's like now they don't need to go kill those four people because a justice system, system is in place to alleviate you from the need to do that. Um, and what made me think about this, I, I usually, my ears will kind of perk up when I hear conversations about the justice system and also from people that I find just interesting. And then specifically as well, people within the Christian realm, just to hear more about justice. Cause I think that we have, especially in Texas, there's a lot of Christians who talk about the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. And then, then they're also like, I'm not saying this is wrong, but they're also like really, really, really vocal about the death penalty. And so like pro death penalty, pro death, yeah, yeah. pro death penalty. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that those two things can't coincide, but you don't see a lot of consistency when they're talking about it. Um, I was going to rephrase that. I haven't seen a lot of consistency no, there's not. When, when, when people talk about it, they'll, they'll maintain their bubble of Christianity and they'll maintain their bubble of the death penalty. And they won't talk about that. So I've kind of had, and almost all of them use Genesis nine. Like that's the only yeah. thing. That yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so because of this, I, I realized I had a buddy of mine who became a cop and he talked about how there's something within him, like as a believer that he, he is, he feels the weight of, of bringing justice into the world because of God's justice. And because of conversations that me and, have, me and him had, I had been so, I'd realized I was so um, divided on any conversation about justice because, because looking at, looking at God's justice through the lens of the gospel um, that's hard to say that that a worldly system therefore equates to that. But one of the things that I like with with Jordan Peterson broadening these aspects is is we can understand justice justice holistically. Um, and I think that these these broad terms can apply to the way that God works, specifically um, alleviating the need for revenge. And so there's there's a few times in the scriptures, and I meant to get the specific verses, but a few times in the scriptures where they say. Hey, don't don't do this to these people because because God God is the avenger. I forget mm -hmm. um, specifically where you, we see that a few times where God is the one who will enact justice. Where yeah. where God's justice system is put in place. So for those of us who are believers, like we don't need to go out um, and whatever it may be um, to enact any sort of justice. Rather, we rest upon the truth that that justice yep. is found in God. There was a clip, gosh, probably a couple of years ago. I saw of this. I think it was a girl, mm -hmm. um, like a young girl. I say young girl, like teenager, young woman is probably a better way to say it. Mm -hmm. um, I think her dad was a cop and the cop had been shot. Her dad had been shot. I think this is a story. Someone will be able to look this up and figure it out. And she's- It might in, have been a girl. <laughs> she's in the, she's in the, this, okay, for sure, this girl's dad gets killed. Mm -hmm. 
And she's in the courtroom addressing the person who killed her dad. And she's a believer. Mm. And she basically says something like, I forgive you. And she equates it to Christ. Something like, because Jesus forgave me. It was, it was mm-hmm. something like that. So to your point, I think there's, yeah. there's, there's a perspective that um, you can, if you rely on the justice of God, if we understand who we are in Christ and what mm-hmm. God has done for us, then there's not, then we don't, we don't might not always feel the necessity <laughs> for that. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. some of it's personality based too. Yeah. I, I don't, we've done an episode on social justice. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've done an episode. That's what on I was going to say. So I, was, I think we should like nix the conversation. I agree. <laughs> and just have a, have an actual episode about it. Cause I, as you're saying that I actually have a ton of thoughts. Yeah. That's as, as you're talking the same thing. Yeah. It's bringing to light. I think people things. will be interested in having a conversation about the death penalty too. Absolutely. Cool. So even if it's justice and then, expand upon it later or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think that'd be, I mean, I think you're, you're bringing up something cool. I, like I like Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. So I think it's cool that he has that perspective. I do yeah. not like his perspective on the scripture. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. Sure. He's, he's, well, he's not a Christian. He's not a no, Christian. And yeah. he very much wants to like allegorize these texts. And honestly, from a psychological perspective, I don't hate what he's doing from that perspective. Cause he's yeah. using the scripture as a basis for some of his like yeah. teachings. So yeah. any, any way to get people in the scripture. Well, the, and, and the thing about it is that like, from that perspective, like if you're using Jordan Peterson as a Christian commentator, then, uh, you know, yeah, don't do that. that's problem. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but <sighs> I just do that for you now. Pierce. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's one of those things that like he sees, he sees value in the scripture allegorically and he's missing the value of Christ. And so yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good episode. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, I won't finish thoughts on that here, but, uh, but yeah, so look well, for the future. And, uh, did you write that one down? Yes, I did. And a couple of weeks ago, if they, they can go back and see our community group videos, right? Mm-hmm. So we had one YouTube channel or 456, the 456 YouTube, channel. Yeah, yeah. YouTube channel. Yeah. 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 So we, we had a little seven minute discussion on justice, uh, mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Well, Ryan, we're not talking about justice today. What are we talking about today? <laughs> <laughs> well, today, Pierce, what we're going to talk about is, uh, uh maturity as a believer, growth as a believer, or I don't know how to say it. Like there's this idea, right? That people have that if you're maturing as a believer, you are departing from sin. And that kind of has become the goal. And we're going to talk about if maturity as a believer is really about departure from sin or if it's about growth in Christ. But Ryan, doesn't it actually matter that we do sin less? Uh, Well, actually, Pierce, we would we would say, yeah, that like as we pursue Christ, we do sin less. But the 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 unfortunate thing is that a lot of times Christian teaching is boiled down to sin less mm. instead of an affection for Jesus. And this is something that we kind of thought about. Um, we started thinking about based on our on our podcast we did on sanctification. Micah, you had mentioned a few things in that podcast. And because we already knew we were going to talk about it, even with last week's message, you were you were like hinting at what <laughs> we were going to talk about today, that that the idea isn't about hey, we need to teach people to avoid sin. The idea is we need to teach people to be in love with Jesus and that the result of that would be an avoidance of sin. So I'm going to throw it to you and let you- I think that's the key is like- Get us going. When, whenever It's funny. The times I preach this, um, I'll say something like, I'll, I'll talk about like Romans 8, 1 and 2. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And I'll say inevitably something like, does that mean that we can we can just do whatever we want to do? Right. And I'll pose the question and then I'll say, well, actually, yeah. 
and you can just see the faces across the room freak out. Like, like, what did you just say? And I'll, and I'll have to like preface, like, you need to, you need to give me a second to explain what I mean. And the idea is that when, when you understand that there is no condemnation for you and that the goal, but, but Micah, people are going to sin a whole bunch if they believe that. <laughs> Go ahead. I, my answer is no, they won't. Right. I would tell someone if they're like, I, I continue to sin, my, what I would tell them is you probably don't actually understand that there's no condemnation for you, mm-hmm. that you've been freed from the law of sin and death. Mm-hmm. I think it's what they miss is that the, the freedom he talks about there, the freedom from slavery to sin, as Paul mentions in other places, the freedom from the law of sin and death is that we're not bound by the list of rules and regulations for righteousness sake anymore. Like we're yeah. not bound by that. And if you actually understood that, the, the result cannot be that you sin more. It right. cannot be like it, it, it just is. It is impossible. It's like Galatians 5. If you walk by the Spirit, you do not gratify. And so I think to your point, Ryan, what people have taught for so long, it's what I heard like at every camp in D-Now growing up was the goal is to not do this and not do this and not do this. And what you're doing is actually shoving people back into the system of slavery. You're you're shoving them back into Mount um, uh, Sinai. Mm-hmm. as he says in Galatians right. 4. You're shoving them back into the system of the law yeah. from a perspective, and then you're telling them, I'm putting you back in the system, but don't screw up. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem, is, is that you can't, you can't live a life that is, I'm not saying this as a goal, you can't live a life that departs from sin, or like some people say sin less, if the goal is to sin less. Right. That's like, I, I use this example sometimes when I'm talking about it too, like um, if you tell someone stop thinking about a pink elephant. Right. They're probably going to think about a pink elephant. Yeah. If you if you tell someone who's a smoker, you need to stop smoking, but there's no alternative that will probably continue smoking. <laughs> yeah. Right, Pierce? Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the one time in my life I did the most ungodly thing ever and I tried to get off Dr. Pepper. <laughs> wow. I did it actually because I was playing college soccer and I was like, you know what? I want to actually be in like really good shape again. And so I I quit drinking Dr. Pepper for like nine months, but I, I struggled at the beginning because- Is that what whole, you call the dark ages? <laughs> is there a worse word than dark ages? Like, I, the first few weeks I struggled because literally all I could think about was Dr. Pepper. And the right. more I thought about like, I want to quit drinking Dr. Pepper, the more I had a desire for Dr. Pepper. And it right. wasn't until I started drinking Blue Powerade that, which is not a, maybe a better substitute in terms of sugar, but at least there's some electrolytes in it. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, sure. It's closer to water. <laughs> but I, the moment I started drinking Blue Powerade, it was when I was able to stop thinking about Dr. Pepper. But the, the more I thought about Dr. Pepper, the more I wanted Dr. Pepper. That's mm-hmm. what you're doing when you tell someone the goal is to depart from sin. Stop sinning, stop sinning, stop sinning. It, you're leaving people in a perspective of sin instead of a perspective of Jesus. Yeah, well, if you think about it, like anything else where we try to... Uh, anything else where we try to negate something in our lives. So like, mm-hmm. if you're saying, like you said, Dr. Pepper, that's a great example. Or if you're saying, look, we're, we're cutting out all carbs, you know, for the next two months or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, anything where you're having to deprive yourself of something mm-hmm. that you would have otherwise craved. That's a great way to say it. Depriving. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anywhere that you would deprive yourself of something that you would otherwise crave, then you are constantly thinking about the thing you're depriving yourself from. Yeah. yeah. And, and so people tell you sin less. And like you said, you're, all you're thinking about is the sin, the thing that you, and instead of reshaping your desire. If, if you feel like you're depriving yourself when you avoid sin, you're, you're going to keep diving into sin because you're actually admitting in that moment that what is still core for you is sin. Right. Mm -hmm. To follow up with your beverage example, which I 
it's a funny example, but I think it works. Uh, years ago, Michelle and I were counting our calories and, um, I'm not, I'm not ever, I've never been a big guy, but I was, I was the heaviest I've ever been. And, uh, and so I was like, I just, I wasn't working out at this point. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to start counting calories. I, I bought myself another heavy bag cause I had, I'd used a heavy bag in my late teens. And I was like, I'm going to start working out on the heavy bag again. Anyway, I learned really quickly that I'm allowed, if I don't work out, I'm allowed 2,400 calories a day. And I was drinking sweet tea a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was like 2,400 cal- calories in a cup. So I was, I was drinking 600 that or 700. That has more sugar than Dr. Pepper, I think, usually. Oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, I was drinking, um, I was drinking 600 to 700 calories of Ooh. sweet tea a day. And so I was like, it's like four Dr. Peppers. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and so I was like, okay, uh, when it came down to, we'd go to Rosa's or whatever. And, and I would look at my 32 ounce sweet tea cup and know that that's 360 calories Mm -hmm. and that a beef burrito was 300 calories. And I thought I would rather have that burrito Mm. than the sweet tea. Mm -hmm. If, if, if I'm limited to these number of calories, I would rather have the beef burrito. So I switched to unsweet tea. Well, all I drink now is unsweet tea and water. And like today I have a blue Powerade. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, but, uh, all I really drink is water and unsweet tea now to the point where I can't stand sweet tea and I can't stand sodas. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and it wasn't about, it wasn't about, I need to avoid sweet tea and sodas. It was about, I'd rather, I'd rather eat this thing. Like there there was something that I desired better. My, my favorite passage to describe what you just said is Philippians three seven and eight where he says, I count everything a loss compared to the surpassing, excuse me, it's Dr. Pepper, greatness of knowing <laughs> Jesus Christ, my Lord. It's so it's, it's a perspective shift. What I used to count gain, right. what I used to have a desire for and what I used to crave yeah. when I realized that Jesus is surpassing greatness or that Jesus is better. Right. Then what happened is, is those things I count as loss. He doesn't say like, I still have a desire for those things. Right. He's saying, I count them as loss. Like they're yeah. of no worth to me anymore. When I teach that, I'll, I'll use an example of, I, I'll tell these like fake stories about how I reconnect with old girlfriends after I got married with Cammy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'll make it fake awkward. Stories. Fake stories. Yeah. yeah. Cause and somebody I'll try, missed that. Yeah. And I, and I try to set them up where, and it works usually where like, it sounds like it's real and you can <laughs> see people's face. You could feel the tension in the room. Like there's no <laughs> way that Mike is doing this. Right. And then I'll just tell him like, no, like how'd that make you feel? Those, yeah. Yeah. those old relationships are lost to me. Why? Because I found the one that's better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the perspective. So like, why in the world now as a married man, can you imagine if I went and sat down with you in counseling, Ryan, because I was like, man, I just have still have this desire for my old girlfriends. If you every day sent me a text and said, stop thinking about your old girlfriends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quit hanging out with your old girlfriends. Like yeah. if all you ever told me was about things about my old girlfriends, yeah. all you're doing is reinforcing this mindset. <laughs> instead of instead of you saying like, hey, find value in right. your wife today because she's better. Like, Well, mm-hmm. and, and using that example, like, if I keep telling you, don't think about your old girlfriends, throw out the pictures of your old girlfriends, quit looking at the yearbook <laughs> pictures of your old girlfriends, like all that kind of stuff. And you do all of that. None of that necessarily means you love Cammy. No, it uh, hasn't been about her at all. Right. Yeah. And, and so that's part of the problem. I'm not going to say that's the whole of the problem, but that is certainly part of the problem yeah. with the Christian teaching that says maturity is about departure from sin. Yeah. I think that I would change it and say that, that as we, I don't even know how to use the word maturity I'm trying to think of other places besides Ephesians uh, 2, right? I don't know yet. The the 
God gave the gifts oh, to the four. church. Oh, four, Ephesians four. four yeah. Until we become the mature man. I'm trying to think of other places and about maturity, but at least for the sake of conversation, I think that as you as you continue to to realize that Jesus is better, as you mm-hmm. continue to walk in Him, we talked about that a little last week from Colossians two. Do life in Christ as you continue to walk by the Spirit. Galatians five. Yeah. What you will see is there is a departure from sin. Right. It doesn't mean that sin's like gone or that it's like not a temptation. But I think I think what we find is if we were if we were be, to be honest, I bet the moments that we indulge in sin, even as believers who are growing in Christ and are walking in Christ, it's because it's because we have, for whatever reason, that moment actually said Jesus isn't better. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. we've allowed a different desire to supplant the yep. desire for Christ. Yep. And yeah. so I'm not. I'm I don't mind. know that I've ever said supplant before. That's an interesting. I like it. Is but that I'm not, when a plant is knighted? He's surplant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yes. From now on, yes. yes. That's exactly. By what it no is. means am I saying that 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 the implication is that you will not sin. Although I think that that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, that's a fun conversation. Fun but, conversation. Yeah. But uh, I think that that seemingly is the goal of the other teaching. Don't sin, therefore it'll bring you to a place of holiness. Yeah. Instead of saying you are holy, yeah. you've been set apart from um from slavery to sin. You've been set apart as a child of God. So go yeah. live as a child of God. So the freedom that Paul talks about that we have is to actually you're free to actually live lives for the glory of God. We mm-hmm. weren't that free to before. Right. When we were under slavery to sin. We were not able to live for the glory of God, to walk in Christ. We weren't able to do those things. Now we are. Yeah. And it's funny because people will be like, are you just saying we have the freedom to sin? And I'm actually like, well, that's a technically mi- that's te- <laughs> like, that's a stupid question. But I guess to answer your question, yes. What I'm telling you is you probably won't do that right. because yeah. when Jesus is better, when you walk in him and according to Galatians five, when you walk by the spirit, you will not gratify the desires right. of your flesh. Well, mm-hmm. to, we we did a podcast at some point on uh, Romans six, seven, and eight. I don't remember when that was, but uh, um, if if you go back to the end of Romans five, and he says, "Now the law came to increase trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace would reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord." Verse or chapter six, verse one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So he's just said, wherever sin abounds the encouragement is that grace abounds more than that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is why there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ right, Jesus in right. Romans 8, 1. Uh, and he says, so since, since sin is going to be swallowed up by grace, should we sin more? If, if, if sin shows the magnitude of grace, should we sin more so that <laughs> grace, grace can be yeah. shown more? And he goes, certainly not. And then verses two through eight of chapter six, he's going to say, in every verse, in one way or another, that we have died to sin, that we have died with Christ, that we have died to the power of sin. How can we who died to sin live any longer in it? Mm -hmm. Um, Consider yourselves dead to sin. Consider yourselves alive to God. Mm -hmm. Like, this is who you are now. And then he he asks a second question in in 615, which everybody talks about 6.1, but there's two questions here, and I think they're both important. So the question in 6.1 is, since grace is bigger than sin, should we just keep sinning because that makes grace look bigger? Right. No. Then number uh, 615, what then shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? So this is what we're saying here mm-hmm. that like we, we tell people like, it's not about a law or a rule to spare you or to rescue you or to deliver you from sin. Mm-hmm. That's not the goal. The goal is an affection for Christ. 
uh, and that the results of that is that moves that moves you away from sin. Yeah, yeah. So since we're not under the law, but we're under grace, can we just sin? And Paul answers that question by no means. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, and so I, I think that's what, him saying, "Stop asking stupid questions." Yeah, like it, the this idea that we need to teach people to depart from sin. I, I, where is that in the gospel presentation? It's not there. Well, mm-hmm. I think it's a misunderstanding of the gospels. Yeah, and how the old Testament applies to us. So mm. we would say that the gospels is still under a state of law, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yes. Yep. Because this is what Jesus is actually saying. The sermon on the Mount, you say you shall not commit adultery. I say, even if you look at a woman with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery. You say your standard righteousness is at this level. I'm telling you, it's actually much higher if you're going to do it according to the law. And yeah. what he's actually saying is none of you, None of your righteous. Yeah. In other words, he's saying like, I'm the only means by which you can attain righteousness. So yeah. he is preaching the gospel to them that mm-hmm. he's the means of salvation, but he's preaching it according to the law. Right. So they're still under the law. And so it's His a lot audience. Of, yeah. Correct. So yeah. the instructions in, in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are to people who are still under the law. Mm-hmm. And so then we misinterpret that. I think misapply it. Maybe is a better way to say it. Yeah. Sure. A lot of preachers will say, well, he says, turn the other cheek. Yeah. So turn the other cheek. And that's not what Jesus is saying there. He's not, he's not implying the way that Christians should act is that they should turn the other cheek. What he's saying is, is that um, this is a higher level of living for those of you. If you, if you're going to live yeah. according to the law, this is actually how it should be yeah. um, that you've misunderstood the purpose of the law is kind of what I think Jesus is mm-hmm. saying there. So I think it's, it's, it's a misunderstanding of, well, let's say it this way. I think if you look at acts forward, the giving of the spirit, the freedom from like Paul saying in Romans eight from the, the law of sin mm-hmm. and death. Um, you don't see that instruction. Right. Or yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. can't, I can't find it. What's so funny too, about people who really, who I like the way you said that Mike of, of misapply the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I was talking about that with some, with some youth a few months ago of just like these people, like the one that I always heard growing up, just being a teenage boy was, uh, the, the part on lust, where mm-hmm. if you find that your eyes are lusting, pluck out an eye, or if you find, like, chop off a hand. And I, I, I stopped reading there and I looked up and I was like, how many one-eyed men have you seen that preach this? And I was like, how <laughs> many, how many one-armed men have you seen preach this? And I was like, cause they'll, they'll preach it that way. But obviously their commitment somewhere falls short to that level of teaching, right? And you you had brought up, I think uh You mean that they've actually lusted? Yeah, I mean maybe they yeah, maybe they haven't, but like <laughs> right, but sure. but yeah, but like but there if you would push the point, like really push it, be like, okay, why don't you, why haven't you get gouge an eye? There might be the people that are like, Well, I've never lusted. I'm like, okay, cool, let me move on to the next person Liar. who teaches this. Yeah. <laughs> And then they're going to get to the point where like, well, praise God for his grace. It's kind of what you, yeah. uh, you, you had told, shared a story about people who were trying to follow the Sabbath who yeah. like, and then, then they didn't, they didn't, or maybe it was you, Mike, but one no. of you guys, was you, yeah. Was and they, they didn't get back to their hotel. They didn't get, they didn't get back somewhere in time. And their response was, well, thank God for, for his grace. Yeah. So what's funny is Having that they previously, previously said that if you don't observe the Sabbath, you're guilty. And if you don't observe yeah. the Sabbath, you're wrong. Exactly. You have to observe the Sabbath and hold to it because yeah. God commands it. And then when they broke it, for them, suddenly it was like, oh yeah, but it was okay. Yeah, yeah. So like, what's what's <laughs> what's interesting is there. Even if it's not a lot of people, there's there's these people that, when they're backed into a corner, when they're teaching this this sinless mentality, teaching this 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 workspace mentality, when they're backed up into a corner, there's they still the only thing they can point to is the grace of God. And instead of like saying, like, hey, why like let's let the grace of God permeate the entirety of your life, let the gospel entire permeate the entirety of your life, and realize maybe you're misapplying these texts. Maybe maybe you're misunderstanding what actually is going on here. Yes, that's what was said. We can read it black and white on the page in the Sermon on the Mount. 
but what is actually going on here? Who's this audience? What's what's happening right. here? And the and 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 Jesus's intention is at its core the gospel yeah, that right. righteousness is only found in Him, and so therefore we can live that same way as well. I don't need to apply these 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 rules or these boundaries so that I can fit into this this less sin lifestyle, but rather I can embrace the truth that my righteousness is found in Christ and live freely in that and walk right. freely in that. Yeah, they they want to teach that so badly. Mm-hmm. I think people. I I always want to. I mean, there's a part of me that just wants to make that stuff as vulgar as possible. hundred percent. They're dude. like the, the Sabbath, the story you told about the yeah. Sabbath and thank goodness for the grace of God. I was going to be like, man, I was out banging this girl that wasn't my wife the other day. And then I got thank home and I was like, ah, thank goodness for the grace of God. Thank thank goodness that I'm still married to my wife, that it's it's covered. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, <laughs> it's like, what the hell are you? Like, are you kidding? Like, put yeah. it in another scenario. I know. Works of the law are works of the law. Right. According to Paul, if you break a piece of the law, you break the whole thing. Right. So you can't tell me I ate shrimp and that was okay, but I, I didn't observe the Sabbath. Yeah. That's not okay. Yeah. Like, you freaking idiot. What Paul says to you is cut the whole thing off. You- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got a... I got There's a, so many adjectives <laughs> running through my head right now. I can't I got it. a message from a friend of ours the other day, and uh, he was saying... He gave us a topic to talk about, and I'll tell you another time. But, like, he said... Uh, he goes, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine uh, about wearing a hat in church, and I was just telling him, like, you know, what you've said, Ryan, about, like, it's not really about the hat. And the person that he was talking to said, man, if you don't wear a hat or if you wear a hat and you don't take it off, that's disrespectful. Like you've got a, that's a rule. You need to do it. And the person very wisely said, well, like, do we follow all the rules of the Bible? And the person was like, yeah, you do. And he's like, so I noticed you're eating a pork chop there. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> and he's like that, that violates the law. And yeah. the person was like, uh. Well, thank God for the grace. Thank for the grace of God. You know, but that guy puts his hat on. He's like, well. yeah. But it's, but it's one of those things that, oh man, like people people have this mindset that, you know, when people say we need to give the law for sin, um, what I what I don't hear people do. They talk about sex. They talk about drugs and alcohol. They talk about adultery. They talk about. Um, Lying. They talk yeah. about language. There, there, there are a whole list of things they never talk about. Yep. They never talk about their pride. They never talk about, you know, gossip. yeah, gossip. They never talk about like fear or anxiety or worry that that's huge. Yeah. yeah for you sure. know, like the, it's funny to me because it's like basically what they're doing is they're upholding a list of rules that they value while allowing their, th- because they're like, I'm not guilty of any of these big things. They probably mm-hmm. all watched you know. Seven back in the day and they were like, well, they got convinced <laughs> that this is actually the reality. And some people are like, I can't believe you watched Seven. Wow. Uh, so one of the things that we would point out, because Micah, you you had said uh, before we started recording this that our astute listeners will point this out. And so we want to we want to bring it up too because we don't want to seem like we're ignoring something. So there are a couple of places in the New Testament where people are instructed to avoid certain behaviors or certain sins. Uh, and I, I think one of first Thessalonians four, where he encourages the people and he says, we taught you how to walk and how to please God, just as you were doing and that you would continue to do so more and more, you know, the instructions that we gave you through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own body and holiness and honor, not in passion and lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And that none of you transgress or wrong your brother in this way. So I think some people would go see, he's giving them a law. Uh, but the framework here is about their faith in Christ yeah. mm-hmm. in, in a Gentile. And Paul's using that tongue in cheek, like, uh, because there are Gentile believers in the church of Corinth. So, uh, Paul, Paul, based off of his use in first Corinthians, 
uh, 10 would argue that there are Jews, there are Gentiles, and then there are believers. Mm -hmm. So when Paul references Gentiles, he is speaking of unbelievers, typically. Non-Jew unbelievers. Non-Jew unbelievers, typically. Uh, because, anyway, so he he is t reminding them, one of the things he said is, man, we've heard everywhere about your faith. Mm -hmm. uh, your faith in Christ is proclaimed everywhere. Yeah. And so there's a little bit of a sense of, like, because you represent Jesus, because you walk in Christ, continue walking in Christ the way that, that we encourage you to do so. Yeah. Make sure this doesn't exist among you. And it's it's similar to Acts 15. So Paul and Barnabas have been preaching the gospel in Antioch for some time. Uh, I think at this point, it's been a little over a year. The people in Antioch are, oh, it's been longer than that because they've already done, and it doesn't matter. Anyway, it's been a while. And the people there are putting it's their faith in Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, and some Judaizers are coming up to Antioch and they're saying there that like you need to be circumcised um, to, to be a believer. And Paul goes, man, I, I need to make sure I'm not teaching this incorrectly. And so he goes to Jerusalem, meets with the elders and the apostles and says, look, have I, have I preached in vain? And the apostles talk about it. And Peter says, look, he goes, you know how God sent me first to the Gentiles and da, 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 da. And he said, their, their faith is our faith and they've received the same spirit that we've received. And he said, no, I, like they don't have to be circumcised. And they write the Gentiles a letter and say, look, you don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to follow the customs of the law. We would advise you to abstain from sexual immorality, to abstain from meat sacrificed to idols and to, uh, or the meat that has been strangled or something like that and meet with the blood still in it. Mm -hmm. So there, the, there are these three things that they advise the people to abstain from. And in Corinth, uh, where they were serving a goddess, like there, there's implications behind these things that like he's saying, do these things to depart from your culture. Well, the, yeah, because that's how they worship their goddess. Right. And, and so these would be great things for you to abstain from, which is super interesting because in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he goes, we know that eating a meat, meat sacrifice to an idol is no big deal. Right? Yeah. And yet the, and so he's telling them that in his letter to the Corinthian church, but in Acts 15, the general instruction to the Gentiles is abstain from these kinds of things right. because of the view. The viewpoint is yeah. you, you've, you've stopped worshiping this goddess. You're now worshiping God. So don't associate yourself with the same worship. So it's it's about yeah. the gospel. It's not about the representation of Christ. It's not about sin because if that's the case, then they would have needed to separate that out. Like, right. you know, you shouldn't eat the meat with the blood still in it. Um, even though Paul says later, like, it's not really a big deal if you eat the meat right. sacrificed to idols. I'm sure that that could be included as well. Um, so it's not a list of rules. One interesting point, sexual immorality is always talked about in a different light than everything else. I feel like yes. throughout the scripture. Mm -hmm. And here's my thought on that. You guys chime in on this. I think that sex from the beginning has been this representation of God's relationship with his people. Mm -hmm. So Old Testament, God relationship with his people. Um, New Testament, Ephesians 5, the relationship Jesus has with, First Corinthians 6, with, the, with the body well. of Christ, with the bride. Mm -hmm. um, so there's an essence where when we, when we engage in sexual morality, it is almost, it is, I'm just going to say it, this might be too much, but it is almost the most grotesque form of a misrepresentation of the gospel that we could have because of the intimacy that is, that is attained through sexual yeah. intercourse. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. <laughs> But this is something that I've considered for a long time. So I, I just haven't thought about it deeply. And I, we've never talked about it. So mm -hmm. just shoot it down if we need to shoot it down. But in 1 Corinthians 6, when he is rebuking them for a, a father and a son sharing a wife in chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians, and then he says, do you not know that those who have joined themselves to a prostitute have become one flesh with her? So also those who join themselves to the Lord become one in spirit with them. 
And, and then one of the things he says there is he goes, every other sin a person commits is outside their body, but sexual immorality is against the body. And it's interesting because I'm wondering if like, I'm wondering if there isn't a broader implication here than just the individual, Mm. because he says the body. Yeah. Like the body Mm. of Christ, because it's the bride of Christ and the bride of Christ has been joined. Oh, that's interesting. And so I'm That's wondering why if, it's such a grotesque yeah, form of. I'm wondering if it's not of misrepresentation, a sin against myself, but it's a sin against the representation oh, of the bride of Christ. You're thinking the body there is actually the body Plural. of Christ. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Super interesting. Be- because he's talking about how to handle okay, it within the body. One, write that one down too. Let's not dive into that. Let's just okay. do another episode because right. <laughs> I think that, that'd be a quick diversion. Diversion? Diversion? Version. Diversion. <laughs> diversion. <laughs> Sean Connery. Now. Yeah. Like so, Ryan, is, Ryan is like once a month. <laughs> yeah. So I think that um, my point is, I feel like there's an instruction against sexual immorality across the scripture yeah. that is different than the law, is what I'm saying. I think mm. that across the scripture, an avoidance of sexual morality is actually because the people of God have joined themselves to God and him alone. And it is a misrepresentation of that intimate relationship they have with God yeah. by engaging in sexual immorality. So I think that the sexual immorality always seems to be in this different camp and how it's spoken of mm-hmm. um, versus things like according to the law. Granted, sexual immorality is in the law, yeah, but but even but, so, to your point, like when when the Israelites turned away from the Lord and when the Israelites abandoned God for idols, He called it adultery. Mm-hmm. Like even even the language that God chooses to use about people who depart from Him is a sexual language. Yeah, yeah. and even how He describes <laughs> like Ezekiel sixteen, mm-hmm. uh, and then <clears throat> where is it? Is it? It's not Ezekiel sixteen and Ezekiel twenty three. That's the other one I was thinking of, but yeah, when he when he says I'm going to lift up your skirt and oh, show everybody uh, your your nakedness, which I think he what he means I think is he I'm, does that in Jeremiah as well. Oh, is that what it is? Mm. I'm thinking. Okay, well, a couple of places. I think yeah, I think he's actually saying like I'm going to lift up your skirt so everybody can see that you've been doing it with other people. Mm-hmm. Like that's what he's saying. That's the intensity of the sexual language. So it's not just like avoid sexual morality. God thinks it's a big deal. Not here's how I was taught: don't have sex. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what I was taught. Mm-hmm. Don't have sex. Yeah, Jeremiah 13. Um, so how 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 is that a correct perspective of what's trying to be portrayed by God? In the scripture. Yeah. God's not saying don't have sex. God's saying this kind of intimacy is between me and my people alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that sexual immorality is a breach of that. It's a break of that. It's a misrepresentation of, of the intimacy I have with my people. Yeah. That's why it's such a big deal. So I don't teach my kids don't have sex. I teach my kids that the the relationship between a husband and wife now is a picture of the relationship between Jesus right. and the church. So yeah. that kind of intimacy can only be had between Jesus and the church and a husband and, and a husband yeah. and wife. It's that's why it's, that's why it's precious yeah. in, in that relationship is not because it's not because it's. I mean, it, yeah, it's because it's wrong, but it's deeper than that. It's more intense than that because it is. Yeah. It is the ultimate it, misrepresentation it, of the intimacy. The fact that it's wrong God. is secondary to the misrepresentation Absolutely. of the gospel. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. And and so what people forget because I think that this is the most polarizing one is sexual relationship in the yeah. scripture and in Christian churches, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The sexual uh, relationship, sexual identity, whatever. 
And, and, and so what a lot of people do is they teach their kids sex is sin, which is, first of all, a poor teaching of the scripture yeah. because sex was given to Adam and Eve prior to sin. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was created for a husband and wife to be naked and feel no shame. And I think to your point, Micah, what we miss is that there is, there is uh, a freedom from shame before God. Absolutely. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Absolutely. And if we, if we teach a relationship to God that is filled with shame, that's like being ashamed of yourself in the marriage bed. Yep. Something is off in the marriage if you're ashamed in the marriage bed. Yep, yeah. uh, I had a, a, a friend, when I first moved to Angelo 20 years ago, a doctor here in, in town, Dr. Heimbecker, he had a private practice back then. I was dirt poor, had no health insurance. He said, hey man, come and see me anytime. I'll take care of you. You know, I have my own practice. I'll never bill you because I want to keep you on the road. And I said, man, thank you so much. Wow, it's huge, yeah. Yeah, and, and so one day I was at a camp and I did something during rec one day and I hurt and my nuts hurt. <laughs> and so I got home a couple of days later and I made an appointment because I was in pain. Like I was waddling <laughs> and I, I went in, I was like, man, I don't know if I twisted something in there. So he puts me in, he puts me in that robe that's open in the back, has me lay on a table, puts my feet up in stirrups and he goes to town handling things and looking at stuff. And he's like, so how was camp? And what did you preach about? And, and I was ashamed and I was like, can we talk about this in a minute when I have my pants back on? <laughs> like right now, you're handling my testicles. Is it okay if we wait to have this discussion? My point being that there is inherently, which is why God says in Jeremiah 13, I'm going to reveal your nakedness to the world because there's this, there's this inherent shame with nakedness, except where? In the marriage bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, sin has ruined that for a lot of people, yeah. but... I'm talking about the way God has designed it. Yep. Yeah. And, and so there is a design that God has for sexuality that, as you've said, Micah, mimics, uh, because it was intended to, it was intended to be a representation of Christ in the church. And the bride of Christ, those who have been redeemed by Jesus, should be able to come to Christ without any shame, mm-hmm. naked and unashamed. Here's who I am. Here's the whole of my heart, God. Here's everything about me. I don't have to try to hide something from God. We're not pulling an Adam and Eve where we're ducking into the shade of the trees and trying to cover our own nakedness. Like, God, you, you've seen me as I am, and I know that you love me. Like, it's mm-hmm. that kind of thing, yeah. right? And, and so we don't teach our kids that. We tell them, avoid sex. Yeah. Instead of, let this be a picture of the beauty and the grace and the yeah. glory of God. If yeah. my if my kids, if I teach them who God is and who they are in Christ, and and they it causes them to be um in awe of God in a way where they say, I consider everything else a loss compared to the surpassing right. greatness of knowing him, mm-hmm. then that translates to their viewpoint of sex. I'll say this: I think that the sexual um, desire is stronger than any, at least for guys, than any other desire, or at least most other desires in that, in that sense. Like, yeah. I feel like there's, um, there's the quickness, which is probably what you were hearing about when, when you were growing up, like about the, you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, like it's oh, always yeah, honing yeah. in on that. Cause there yeah. is this sense of like just immediate reaction, which I think is my guess is my opinion is that's something ingrained in us that mm-hmm. wired in our, in our, in who we are by God for the sake of that intimacy that's right. to be had in that, and mm-hmm. between a husband and a wife in that way. Um, but I think people are so quick to jump on that and avoid it um, instead of saying the, the way that you temper that, which isn't even the goal is what we're saying, but right. the way you move away from that is to actually understand what it's about. Like, right. and that's, what's not taught. Right. Like I'll say this, if you're a parent and you're just telling your kids not to have sex before they're married, that's a worthless statement without the context of what sex yeah. is about yeah, and sure. what it's for. It, it does no good. I'll say it this way. 
we've had so many conversations, Ryan, with couples through the years who've been married a long time who started their marriage in a wrong perspective mm-hmm. and they didn't have sex before they got married. Mm-hmm. They avoided sex before they were married and now their marriages suck. Yeah. So what have you done? Yeah. You, all you have done is kept someone from eating pork for a little while. You've kept someone from eating <laughs> shrimp for a little while. You, you yeah. know what I mean? All you've done yeah. is make people obey the Sabbath. You've made people snip the tip of their penises off for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> for a little call, bit. Because it grew back. Put it back on. <laughs> they they just wanted, did that for a little bit. I was wanting to make a shirt, like a summer shirt that said something like that, like from Galatians, like, like, Snipping the tip is worthless or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a diagram. Why stop here? You might stop here. <laughs> and then I also wanted to do one from Ezekiel 16 that get it says, uh, it says, don't be a whore. <laughs> Anyways, none of those ever actually happened but in my head. But it's like that's all we're doing is is yeah. we're giving them a little a little buffer so that we as parents can say, see, my kid didn't have sex till they were married. Yeah. What I would rather, you know what I'd rather Ooh, say, delicious. I would rather say of my kids, here's what marriage is. And, and I want to help you represent the relationship between Jesus and the church. For my, I have all boys. I want to help you represent Jesus in this relationship, like Ephesians yeah. 5 says, so that your marriage can be a picture of the relationship between Jesus and the church, so that everybody that sees you can see a picture of Jesus in your marriage. Right. And I'll say this. If my boys make it to marriage without having sex, fantastic. If they don't, it doesn't mean it changes the purpose of what their marriage is supposed to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Will will there be suffering through that? Well, maybe to your sure. point, will there be maybe some suffering in the body? I, I mean, yeah. interesting conversation, but like the my goal is not to get them to marriage and go, okay, you did it. You didn't have sex. Now go have a horrible marriage the rest of your life because your mm-hmm. whole perspective has been don't have sex. Right. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> it's interesting because uh Paul in Galatians is addressing the issue of circumcision and he says that the people who want to force you to be circumcised, they themselves don't even obey the law. Mm. And he said, they only want you to be circumcised so they can boast in your flesh, meaning so that they can boast in the fact that they convinced you to be circumcised. And I think that that's how we treat a lot of it as Christians is we're like, Look at how many people sign the True Love Waits card. (laughs) Is that like, look at how many people, you know, watch the aisle. Is that like, uh, who was it in the Old Testament that, um, had all those guys get circumcised and then went in and killed them all? Is that like collecting yeah. foreskins like that? Oh my gosh. Well, there was, yeah, there was two. Oh, there's two separate. I'm, yeah. I'm mixing yeah. the stories. Yeah, so, <laughs> so David went and had to, David killed 200 Philistines to get their foreskins as a payment That's to Saul for his of. daughter. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one was- uh, The payback. Chapter right. 34. Yeah. yeah. So the- Simeon I was thinking Levi. of the, I was yeah. thinking of the, the collecting, is that what yeah. that is? Like, these these Pharisees are collecting yeah. foreskins. So. Like, yeah, look look how many people we instead had. of instead of the deer yeah. heads on the wall. You have to meet your quota. <laughs> it's just a bunch of foreskins. You have to meet your quota. <laughs> you're coming in today, you know, like your sales quota. Like how uh, many how many foreskins did you collect today? Uh, only three. I mean, uh, you're not getting promoted. That's actually what Paul's saying. Yeah, it is in Galatians. Like if it's if circumcision's that big of a deal to you, his point is it's yeah. not right. Yeah, but if and, it's that big of a deal to you, he's like just cut the whole thing off. Yeah, well, and the thing about it is that. We, we've, we have demoted the value of the gospel. Yeah, because what we've done is we've told people don't behave this way, so that you can represent the gospel, instead of love the gospel. Yes. Yeah. And the love of the gospel is what shapes mm-hmm. our behavior, and and as it shapes sin out of, out our of life. you, yeah. that's fantastic. But yeah, that's not the measure. Well, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. why it's why there were so many people in my uh, college circles that 
they'd go to clubs, they'd go to different places and they would, they would try to get the people there to quit going to clubs. Like, what? The, mm -hmm. so they'd go and stand outside the club and wait for people oh, to come outside out. outside the club. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm, I had this picture <laughs> there in the like, club. Dancing <laughs> in the club. Like, hey, hey get out of here. This anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You can't dance. <laughs> no, but, uh, no, this but chair, like, I feel hey. like made it better. That's right. We should all go to the club in our chairs. <laughs> <laughs> but they, there was a big push. I'm sure it's still happening, but like I was super aware of it in the 80s and 90s. There was a really big push to change or relegate people's behavior. Mm -hmm. And so if we can, hey, if we can get the people on your hall in the dorm that you live in, if we can get them to quit going to parties, if we can get them to, like it was, it was the reason that if you were on leadership in our church, uh, in the college department, you had to sign uh, a deal that said you won't, you won't drink, you won't go to the clubs, and you won't uh, be at your boyfriend or girlfriend's house past 11.59 at so night. So you can have sex. You just can't be there past 11. Because it's got to be, be a nooner again. <laughs> yeah. But, but think about that, right? So their philosophy, their idea was if you're there past midnight, people are going to think that you're having sex, which is super dumb because to your point, you can do that at lunchtime too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> unless they're reading the Bible in a different way completely than I am. But like, and, and so what people have done historically is not historically, I'm going to say historically for the last five centuries, mm -hmm. people have sought to relegate behavior yeah, rather yeah. than to promote an affection for the gospel. Yeah. And, and an affection for the gospel actually does change how we then behave. Mm -hmm. But a change in behavior does not create affection for the gospel. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so that's, that's problematic if mm -hmm. the whole pitch is don't do this anymore. Yeah. To branch off as well, I know we had said at the beginning of this conversation that we had hinted at stuff uh, last week talking about setting your mind on Christ. Um, but I was going through some texts in Colossians with some youth, I don't know, months ago, and uh, just talking about how our tendency is to to take these instances. So so Paul in Colossians chapter three, put to death therefore what is earthly in you and then lists off these things, right? And so sexual morality is a part of that list. He lists off these things. Our tendency is to say, okay, this is what a good Christian looks like. And then, and then tag on all these rules instead of just mm -hmm. reading a little bit of the context and saying, no, okay, I'm pointing back to what you just reemphasizing what you just said, Ryan, of like his point here is your life is hidden with Christ. His mm -hmm. point here is going back to the beginning of chapter two, um, you, your life is rooted in Christ. His point is this is who you are now in Jesus. Right. And because of who you are now in Jesus, like that's the old self. Like right. don't, don't, don't dabble in the old self stuff. Put to death, therefore, these things because you've already died to those things. Right. Like he's not saying, "Here's a new commandment for you." What he's helping you, do, what he's helping you do, is realize the reality of who you are in Him, and therefore, why are these other things that are earthly even a part of your lifestyle? Because right. that's not who you are. Right. He's not saying make make a valiant effort for to vanquish these things. What he's saying is these things have already been vanquished in you. Why are you treating them as if they haven't been? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And re realizing that reality and that perspective shift instead of trying to make more new rules because you can go into it, you can go into reading something like Colossians completely innocent and completely thinking, okay, well, I want to I wanna live like a Christian. And what he told right. me to do was to put to death these things. You can do that 100% um, innocently, like with without any, you can even do that without any bad teaching around. You can just immediately think those things and not get the context of it. Um, but my prayer is that hopefully we can read more in community, as we say a lot um, on the podcast, um, and be encouraged to rather have this mindset of what Paul is trying to push is that this is who you are in Jesus. It's not, it's not, hey, you've placed your faith in Christ. Now go figure it out. What he's saying is you've placed your faith in Christ and now your life is in him don't let your life be defined by anything else. Mm -hmm. Especially um, not you. 
Especially not you. Yeah. I think that's what people miss yeah. is like, sometimes there's a false sense of humility. People are like, I, they think I'm, I'm worthless. Mm-hmm. And so that they're like, this has never been about me because I'm worthless. Well, actually that thinking is you centered. It's still centered around yeah. you. Yeah. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, mm-hmm. do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do everything you do, whatever you speak and whatever action you take in the name of the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like that, that perspective was never taught to me. Mm. It's not commonly said, like do your entire life through Jesus. Right. Instead, it's a segmented perspective of like, make sure you don't sin, like go to church. And now church is this whole separate thing. Church is like, I can do whatever I want to do outside of church. And then when I'm at church, I have to be yeah. different. And what he's saying is do everything in your life through Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is the center of your life. He's preeminent. He goes before everything. It's not, um, if you want to check this out, I have a sermon on this, I think on, on YouTube, it's only one of the two sermons I have on YouTube but <laughs> where I, I got a lot of flack for this, where I say the, the thing that I used to say, you guys probably used to say it too, like make God number one in your life. Yeah. Maybe you came from the right heart, but I think the statement's wrong. Sure. Cause the moment you move from number one to number two, number one's no longer there. Right. God doesn't want to be a piece of your life. He doesn't want to be number one. Cause number one means it's just a piece of your life. Mm-hmm. He wants to be everything. He wants to yeah. be yeah. out of your relationship with God flows. Everything you do he wants to be the center, the core of your life. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to just be a little piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make God. Number one is still a moralistic perspective of obedience to the law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was stupid for saying it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Colossians, uh, Pierce, you mentioned that put to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you, uh, sexual morality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness. It's super funny because the, the Greek word verse. passion here is uh, people associate it with sexual passion. It's not that. It's, it's corn. Yeah. It's, it's any passion. Oh, it, yeah, anything yeah. you're passionate about that would detract from God. So it's not even inherently sinful in yeah. itself. Right. But put to death sexual morality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you two once walked when you were living yeah. in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge uh, after the after its creator. So he, Paul Paul is not denying that some of these things are still going on in the church. Yeah. He's just denying, he is, he is acknowledging that that's not who they are anymore, yeah. which, is what, which is what you're saying. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. He didn't say, hey, now that you put faith in Jesus, you, you better stop all these bad things and end right. it right there. Yeah. What he's doing is he's saying, hey, he's acknowledging that these things exist in the world. They might yep. even exist in your community, Yeah, but they shouldn't because of, and then it's gives- It's not who you are anymore. It's not who you are anymore. He gives yeah. he gives the weight behind it. There isn't just a, because I said so. Right. This isn't just a, a, a elevation of authority like a lot of parents tend to do, um, but rather this is, hey, we don't do this. Why? Because this is who we are. Like, right. We, we, we are freed from these things. We've changed from these things. Well, and he says, uh, similarly in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And I think if you stop there, mm. this is why people say, don't sin, don't sin, because then you don't get to heaven. Yeah. Verse 11, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of God. All The very next thing he says is, all things are lawful for me, which is what you're saying, Micah, about Romans 8, 1. Mm -hmm. People just don't catch it. Uh, But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I won't be dominated by anything. Mm -hmm. And, And so here's this. And the context isn't that my Pierce, like you just said, it's not Paul saying, well, these things don't take place among you anymore. 
it's saying these things do take place among you, but you understand that people who 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 make their lives about these things, they, they have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. It's who mm-hmm. you used to be, yeah. but you're not anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's not saying that their behavior is different. He's saying that their identity is different. Yes. Yeah. And because the identity is different, see, as Christians, we are so bent and so much preaching is bent on shaping identity. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So much preaching is bent on shape, shaping uh, behavior, behavior yeah. rather than identity. conveying identity. identity. Yeah. Absolutely. Because identity affects behavior. Right. Yeah. And, and so uh, we've talked about that a lot before too on this, that just the the amount of depression, uh, the, the the decade that I went through, like depression, um, what I believed about my, sh- my shelf. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you said he'd go back to Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> Today's the day. <laughs> what, what I believed about myself. I didn't realize I was that prophetic. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> what I believed about myself definitely shaped my behavior. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. What, what's super interesting. And I'll, I don't mind sharing this on here. There was a point at which, uh, so I, I think probably I really started kind of, I don't, I don't know that I could pinpoint it, but probably when I was 15 or 16 is when I, depression really started to kind of take a hold in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and I really began to hate myself. And so I was a good Christian person. I was doing all the things that Christian people were supposed to do. I was in a National Honor Society student. So I was making good grades, never lied to my parents, never snuck out of the house, didn't go to any of the parties, did everything that I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Still hated myself. And, uh, and so, by the way, uh, if you're a Christian parent and you're going, man, I've given my kid all the rules and they're following all the rules. Why do they hate themselves? It's because you've made their life about the rules and not about who they are in Christ. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so sorry for that bomb. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I got to the point where I was in college where I hated myself so much that I thought, well, what could I do to make myself dislike me even more? So I decided to have sex. Uh, have I talked about this on the podcast? No. I don't know. Yeah. So I decided if I have sex, because as you pointed out, Micah, for whatever reason in the scripture and in just life, sex carries more weight than does anything else. Um, it just does. Mm-hmm. And and so I, it, our culture has tried to make sex have no weight and no value. Yeah. We, we've tried to, culture has tried yeah, to funny. say like- they, they do that, but then at the core of it is actually making it the most weight. Most thing, valuable. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so- their statement doesn't agree with their behavior. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I had come to the place where I was 18, I guess I was 19, sophomore in college, and I had decided that I'm going to have sex. And uh, there was a, a really pretty girl that went to church with me, and I knew that in the past with her boyfriend, she was sexually active, and she liked me for whatever reason. And so we flirted for a few months, and I finally asked her out, and I was determined to have sex because I hated myself. I might as well hate myself more. Like, can I really hate myself anymore? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I'm denying myself this pleasure. And, you know, like I'm not, I, I couldn't see myself hating myself more. So like, yeah. it's just, might as well. You didn't care. No, I didn't care. Yeah. Uh, and so on our second date, uh, she kissed me goodnight and she just, she looks me in the face and she goes, Ryan, I just need you to know something. She said, you, you're a godly guy and God has a plan for you. And she goes, and I'm not the best of people. <laughs> and she goes, I'll date you. She goes, I just need you to know I'm never going to do anything more than kiss you goodnight because I will not be the person who screws up Ryan Douglas. Mm. And it ticked me off. <laughs> and so we, we dated for a few more months, but you know, nothing ever happened because she was like, look, she, she would tell me from time to time, 
I will not be the one who screws you up. She mm-hmm. goes, God has a purpose for your life. And not that sex screws someone up. So if you're listening to this, but that was the law mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I was willing to forgo the, the law because I hated myself. Now, that next year of my life, I, I developed some good friends. Uh, I began to spend a lot of time in the scripture. And though I was not out of the depression, my identity had shifted. And in the next 12 months, what I believed about who I was in Christ changed Mm -hmm. and it began to shift. And about a year later, I was working at Hastings Pierce. Hey, nice. Yeah. And there was a a pretty girl that worked with me and she came up to me one day and she goes, you're a nice guy. And she goes, and I am a bad girl and I am going to ruin you. Oh, and she goes, she goes, that's awkward. Yeah. What was that, awkward that, was your, oh, yeah, no, just like, I feel like that's how I would have responded to the person. Like, What's happening? <laughs> and so she told me, she goes, I'm going to, she goes, I'm going to corrupt Ryan, which was the exact opposite, right? Of the, that was the day the, you met her. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> but it was the exact opposite of the previous girl. Yeah, right. Yeah. But the difference was my identity was different. And I looked at her and I laughed and I was like, not going to happen. Yeah. And, and it didn't because like my, my perspective of who I was in Christ changed yep. and therefore my desires changed. Yeah. And, and so like, it has to be about Jesus yeah. instead of behavior. Like it can't, it, we cannot boil this down to behavior. And so like, I mean, look, I, I do need to be really, really clear. And Micah already touched on this, but I, I feel like we need to say it again. If you're like, well, I, I had sex before marriage. What does that mean about me? First of all, God's grace is bigger than that. So mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything about you. Yeah. Um, like what we've been taught in the church is that it means you're not a good Christian. That's what mm-hmm. we've been taught. But no one teaches that and the person who, uh, you know, worries and the person who has fear and the person who has anxiety. No one, no one talks about it the same way. Like it's, look, like here's the reality. The reality is that, um, all of us at some point in our life are going to do something stupid. Mm-hmm. All of us in our, at some point in our life are going to do something unwise. All of us at some point in our life are going to do things that do not glorify Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of the gospel is that the gospel is bigger than those things. Mm-hmm. Now, might there be some consequences where we burn some bridges or some relationships were torn asunder or whatever? Wow, asunder. Asunder. Okay. Sir, sir uh, planting asunder. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> that's all of him. <laughs> yeah. It is. Like, that's, yeah, that's, it totally like, is. yeah. And, uh, and, and so might there be consequences? Yes, but it, it, it will not reshape your identity. Can I give some encouragement on that? Please. Just listen to this. And I would have thought about it anyways, but just listen to this a couple of days ago. <clears throat> the line of Jesus is an interesting line. How right. it's, it's traced back. And one of the places it's traced back to is King David. Yep. Specifically with Bathsheba. Right. Yeah. Now, if you know the story of David and Bathsheba, David sleeps with his friend's wife and then kills her husband, his friend to cover up the sin. And they have this baby, but he marries her mm-hmm. after this. And then the baby dies. And through that relationship, I think there's one of the biggest like stories of the grace of God through mm-hmm. that relationship, that sinful relationship, God brings the savior yeah. mm-hmm. through the line of David and Bathsheba. And Rahab the prostitute. And Rahab the prostitute. So like, there's, and Tamar who slept with oh her father-in-law. Like, yeah. she tricked in the, yeah. So, so the point, point being, being, God's grace is way bigger than that. All of those sexual sin. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think what yeah. you see, like David, for example, one of the things you see in, I think why he's called a man after God's own heart is how he responds when he's confronted over his sin by the prophet Nathan. Yeah, for sure. Instead of saying, I'm the king, I can do whatever the heck I want to do. He responds yeah. by saying, 
Psalm 51, have mercy yeah. on me. So it's his heart yeah. was repentant. His heart was ready to be restored back in that relationship like it was before. Mm -hmm. Under the law, there, there was a necessity for that right. restoration. But I love how he says at the end of Psalm 51, if I could just offer a sacrifice, in other words, to like make this okay, I would, but that's not yeah. actually what you want. What you desire from me is a broken and contrite heart. Yeah. Um, and then when my heart is in the right place, he says, then again, I can offer right sacrifice before you. So it's it's this sense of like, I think what we could take from that now, modern day application is what God's after is your heart. So if you're at a place where you've been sexually immoral and whether it's pre-marriage or whether you're in your marriage now and you've been immoral and you're a believer in Jesus, what the, the instruction I think we can take from this is stop letting your heart be set on things that aren't Jesus yeah. and change and to your point, Ryan, there might be consequences over your sexual sin that you have to suffer and face, but it doesn't change your identity. Right. Your identity, you are not strong enough to undo what Jesus did. Right. You are not stronger than 100%. Jesus. And so the moment you let the enemy convince you that whatever you have done affects your identity now right. is the moment you quit believing that Jesus is enough. Yeah. Well, and the problem with teaching our kids the law as a standard is that it by necessity, it, it, it requires failure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like, that you cannot measure, you cannot be right according to the law. Yeah. So because it requires failure, Romans, yeah. yeah, because it requires failure, it also then requires condemnation. Mm -hmm. And even if it's self-condemnation, and mm. and if it's if it's enough self-condemnation, then you mm. end up in the place where you think I'm a worthless Christian. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and so that those of you who are trying to teach your kids, follow the law, follow the law, follow the law, the result will be condemnation for yeah. them, even if it's not coming from you, mom and dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they will be like, man, I failed. They'll see their own and then failure. they will keep it secret and they'll keep their failure private. And then they'll keep all their self-loathing private because to talk about their self-loathing with their parents means that they have to confess that they broke the law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all of that creates death and condemnation and depression and heartache and brokenness and, and low self-esteem and low self-worth. And if we can come to the place where we go, man, I, I failed. I, I sinned in this area or that area. I failed. And we go, golly, thank you, God, for your grace. There is mm -hmm. no condemnation. Then there is rejoicing and repentance and yeah. excitement. Yep. And, and it, it reshapes then how we deal with Christian failure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, but the, the inevitability, the law cannot produce righteousness. And so yeah. people who keep offering it as a standard. Or contentment or joy yeah. or happiness. Yeah. It, the, the law must result in failure. Mm -hmm. and, and that failure by necessity results in condemnation. That's interesting yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in, in light of this episode, in light of the past few minutes as well, just thinking holistically, um, for the Christian, don't let sin define your life. Sin from the past, sin from the present, whatever it may be. Don't let, or, or define even your behavior. Yeah, you're don't not let a it define person. you. Don't let it define your behavior. If your behavior is defined by, I need to aim to sin less, you're not acknowledging that you're free from condemnation. You're not acknowledging right. these things. You're putting more weight upon yourself than you are in the gospel. If you allow your sin from the past to define you, you're not acknowledging that there's no condemnation for those in Christ. There's you're 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 putting more weight on the sin than you are on the work of God through Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. And so, um, 
I would say holistically, may it be behavior going going forward or eyes looking back. Don't allow sin any more weight than um, God. Jesus destroyed it. So mm-hmm. why are we giving it more weight? Why yeah. are we allowing it to have any hold on our life? Don't allow it to dictate your behavior. Rest in Christ. Yeah. Don't allow it to dictate your identity. Rest in Christ. Yeah. Like right. that's who holds your identity. So, so to even have the question, should we sin less? Let that's let's not even have the object of a sentence be sin in regards no. to our behavior, who we are. It's yeah. not a question we should ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. The object has to be Jesus. Has to be yeah. Jesus. Yes. Yeah. I like that. Don't let sin be the object. I like that. Simpler view. Jesus is better. <laughs> Jesus is better. <laughs> That's always a great simpler view. Jesus is better. Yeah. You know who's better than me, though, in a lot of things? Stephen. S. Steven. S. Steven. We are at the, the Garden Audio. Spicy Cheeto. No. Uh, hot Cheeto. The spicy Cheeto. <laughs> no, that is S. Steven. S. Steven. Yeah. Steven is the hot Cheeto. Yeah. S. Steven is, is the spicy Cheeto. It's the spicy. <laughs> vanilla Man. Yeah. We are at the Garden Audio, which is funny that he's Vanilla Man and Hot Cheeto, like two very polar opposite flavors. Yeah. <laughs> we are at the Garden Audio as always. Go give him a follow on social media. Go see what he's got going on over hot there. Hot Cheeto with a hint um, of vanilla flavoring. Yeah, that's right. He he always shares stuff about, uh, he shares good memes. He shares stuff about his family. He, he shares equipment stuff, what's going on in the studio. So yeah, go give him a follow. It's a fun, entertaining um, way you can be connected with him as well. While you're over there, we are at Simpler Pod. Um, that's a great way to connect, a great way to communicate. Not only see what we post over there, but also engage with us and let us know your thoughts. Let us know your comments. Let us know uh, any topics that you guys want to uh to push further into. Maybe we talked about something today that, oh, I'd really enjoy to hear more about this from this perspective. So let us know. We want to, we want to know your thoughts. We, we are a community. This isn't just about us. We started this podcast with the intentionality of bringing everybody along the ride for these, these conversations that, um, that we've had for years, but now we want to bring more people into that so we can, um, push a simpler mindset that keeps Christ as core. And Hey, what could be simpler than that? We'll see you guys next week. Bye.